Okay, okay, it's recording, it's recording. The age is critical. The age is critical. Just to be 100% sure. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. وما لنا ألا نتوكل على الله وقد هدانا سبلنا ولنصبرن على ما آذيتمونا الحمد لله في السراء والحمد لله في الضراء والحمد لله على كل حال وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو عالم الغيب والشهادة هو الرحمن الرحيم هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما يشركون هو الله الخالق البارئ المصور له الأسماء الحسنى يسبح له ما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم وأشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا وحبيبنا وهادينا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبد الله ورسوله والضحى والليل إذا سجى ما ودعك ربك وما قلى ولا الآخرة خير لك من الأولى ولا سوف يعطيك ربك فترضى من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يتوكل على الله فإن الله على كل شيء قدير والله غالب على أمره ولكن أكثر الناس لا يعلمون أما بعد Dear committed brothers and sisters Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in one ayah وَلَا تَرْكَنُوا إِلَى الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا فَتَمَسَّكُمُ النَّارِ Don't 
the approximate meaning of this is don't rely upon الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا Whatever position they, these volumes are in, whether they are local volumes, whether they are federal volumes, whether they are international, global volumes, you can't rely upon them. That's one layer of the meaning. Another layer, وَلَا تَرْكَنُوا إِلَى الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا Don't feel comfortable with الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا Meaning, you can't have a position of confidence with them. وَلَا تَرْكَنُوا إِلَى الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا the consequence, فَتَمَسَّكُمُ النَّارِ You will be subject to the flames of punishment. Another ayah in the Qur'an says, وَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّ اللَّهَ غَافِلًا عَمَّا يَعْمَلُ الظَّالِمُونَ don't think that Allah is absent-minded of what volumes do. وَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّ اللَّهَ غَافِلًا عَمَّا يَعْمَلُ الظَّالِمُونَ Don't think Allah is looking the other way concerning what a volimeen are doing. <coughs> These ayat and many others that shed light on our psychology towards الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا especially when they are in positions to make policies and take decisions that affect us. We're not living in a jungle where there's no interconnectivity in society. There's state, there's society, there's institutions, there's media, there are policies, there are strategies. All of these things are a fact and a reality of life. Now, Sometimes yours truly gets a little heat from those who tune in to these khutbas saying either they tend to be too ideological or too philosophical and they demand much attention and sometimes they even demand a dictionary or some ref language reference. So in my humble acquiescence, we'll present a very humble khutbah so that everyone can understand. And this khutbah is taken 
to demonstrate the meanings of these and other ayat in the guiding text. وَلَا تَرْكَنُوا إِلَى الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا فَتَمَسَّكُمُ النَّارِ وَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّ اللَّهَ غَافِلًا عَمَّا يَعْمَلُ الظَّالِمُونَ One personality in our common Islamic history that happens to be recognized only by maybe people who read and people who research and maybe this will put us at an advantage of not being pigeonholed not being stereotyped because if you take a certain Islamic historical acknowledged character and he happens to be from this school of thought or from that school of thought all of a sudden your Muslim listeners are, some of your Muslim listeners are alienated. This particular personality, his name is Sufyan al-Thawri. He was born in al-Kufa towards the end of the first Hijri century. And he lived a good proportion of his life in Al-Kufa and some historical narrations say he may have died in Al-Basra that doesn't concern us very much at this point what we, we would like to draw your attention to as thinking Muslims as we should be is that he had a peculiar approach to dealing with those who are in power. And his approach can be summarized in a few words. To use pedestrian language, I have nothing to do with them. This was a faqih. He was a muhaddith. He had his own madhab. Just like today there's Islamic schools of thought. He had his Islamic school of thought. It did not survive. Which poses a question. There were many Islamic schools of thought that did not survive. Not only his. And the question if we had some mental vigor, the question is, why didn't they survive? Al-Layth ibn Sa'd in Egypt had his madhab, and no one, have you ever heard anyone say, say to you, Al-Imam Layth or Al-Faqih Al-Layth ibn Sa'd in Egypt, his ijtihad on this certain matter was, no. You don't hear anyone saying that. Al-Awza'i in Bilad al-Sham, he had also his own madhab. But it didn't survive. No one today says, I'm a, I'm a Muslim who is comfortable with the ijtihad of al-Imam al-Awza'i. Al-Tabari 
the famous At-Tabari, had his own madhab. Does anyone know what his madhab is? No, because it did not survive. And such is the case with Sufyan al-Thawri. He had his own madhab. Now a little of his background. His grandfather, when the Muslims suffered their first demoralizing fitna, al-fitna al-kubra, his grandfather was on the side of al-Imam Ali. And his family was considered to be sympathetic with that part of our history, with that side of that grand fitna, sedition. So what was his character, this faqih, this muhaddith, this revolutionary, his name indicates it, Sufyan ibn Sa'id al-Thawri. What, 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 how did he behave towards those who are in power? Now this is not to say this is the final word on the subject. This is only to try to revivify some of the information that has been latent in our past and in our minds, our collective minds. Abu Jafar al-Mansur, the head of state at that time when Sufyan al-Thawri was acknowledged as a full scholar, a reputable faqih, a popular personality. Abu Jafar al-Mansur said to one of his couriers, I want you to go and summon Sufyan al-Thawri. I want to speak to him. Before I go on, full stop here, stepping out of the narrative, Think, in today's world, one of these heads of state, a king, a president, an emir, a sultan, whatever, they say they send, they don't send an email, they don't send a letter, they send a person to speak to you and say, president so-and-so or king so-and-so wants to have a session with you wants to sit down with you and speak. Our types of scholars today would salivate at the opportunity. Unfortunately, I say this with pain in my heart. These are the types of people we have around. And this is not a blanket, blanket statement. There are scholars who don't fit this bill, so to speak. But they are not the course. So that emissary, Abu Jafar al-Mansur, 
the king or the khalifa, depending on how you want to designate him, sends his messenger to Sufyan al-Thawri. He says, Abu Jafar al-Mansur wants to see you. Sufyan al-Thawri tries his best to say, well, apologize. He, uh, I'm not available. I'm busy. To use appropriate and courteous words, just not to go and have a face-to-face with the ultimate decision-maker in Muslim lands. What Sufyan al-Thawri and others knew was that if Abu Ja'far al-Mansur threatens someone who disobeys him with death, then the punishment is certain death. Abu Ja'far al-Mansur didn't play around. He was in the mold of the rulers of today, at least some of them. You can't cross them in the wrong way. So when this messenger of Abu Ja'far al-Mansur reminded Sufyan al-Thawri of the temperament of the ruler, he said, okay, tell him I will go and see him tomorrow. So this messenger left. He went back to Abu Ja'far al-Mansur and he told him, he will come and see you tomorrow. He said, okay. The following day, Abu Ja'far al-Mansur, the head of the Islamic decision-making process at that time, waits for Sufyan al-Thawri. He waits, and he waits, and he waits. Sufyan al-Thawri doesn't show up. So he wants to know what's going on. He told me he's he, he told my messenger he's coming and he didn't show up. He asks around, where is he? And it turns out no one knows where he is. What happened, Sufyan al-Thawri, knowing if he is going to meet that ruler, that ruler, by the way, offered him through his messenger, the position of becoming, in today's world, the equivalent of an attorney general or the minister of justice. That's why Abu Ja'far al-Mansur wanted to see Sufyan al-Thawri. And Sufyan al-Thawri did not want to see a person like that. So he packed up Sufyan al-Thawri packed his belongings and he left. He left southern Iraq and he traveled all the way to Yemen. In the meantime, word went out from Baghdad, from Abu Ja'far al-Mansur. Word went out 
that Sufyan al-Thawri is, in today's language, he's wanted dead or alive. This scholar, this faqih, reached Yemen. And obviously he has to live. So he accepted a job as a helping hand on a farm. The owner of that estate in Yemen, after some time, queried Sufyan al-Thawri, said, where are you from? He said, I'm from Al-Kufa. He said, did you taste our dates? He said, no, I haven't. He said, why? Because I want to know whether the dates in Kufa are better or the dates in Yemen are better. He said, well, uh, you didn't give me permission to taste any dates and uh, I'll do it. Don't worry. So the person asked him, and by the way, uh, could you give me your full name? So he said, my name is Abdullah. His boss, the farmer, wasn't satisfied with that answer. He said, is that your full name? He said, well, they call me Abdullah. He said, uh, but we are all Abidullah. We are all Ibadullah. I want to know your real name. So he put him off for a while. He said, okay, just give me, let me catch my breath. Sufyan al-Thawri realized that this person wanted to know who this other person is from Kufa. There's a big reward for turning him in. So when Sufyan al-Thawri realized that, he left. He went to, to another area in Yemen. And to make a long story short, also working. This is a scholar who is working in the field because he did not want to see a ruler who wanted to give him a high position in the government. This other boss that he had also wanted to know his identity. And after some give and take, Sufyan al-Thawri estimated that this person is a person of goodwill and good character and good dispensation. So he told them, I am Sufyan ibn Sa'id ibn Masruq, etc. al-Thawri. He said, if it takes me to protect you, if you were under my shoe, I would never move my foot to protect you. Turned out to be a very conscientious, committed Muslim, 
who sheltered this scholar. Now the days and the weeks and the months and the years go by. And Sufyan al-Thawri decides to go to the Hajj. Of course he knows he's going to take some risks. But he decides he wants to go to the Hajj. And he did. He traveled to Mecca. Remember at that time there was no visa application. There were no regulations. There's no stumbling blocks. If you had the physical and the financial ability, that's all it took. The physical and the financial ability to go, you go. So he goes to the Hajj. And then word got out to Abu Ja'far al-Mansur that Sufyan al-Thawri is in Mecca. And it happened that Abu Ja'far al-Mansur himself was going to Hajj that year. So he he summoned what is called Al-Khashabin. These are the carpenters who put together the cross to crucify. He summoned them. He said, you come with me to Mecca. The same way that word got out, Sufyan al-Thawri is to perform the Hajj this year, Word got out that Abu Ja'far al-Mansur is also coming to Hajj this year. And so in that climax, when both of them now were to meet in Mecca, Sufyan al-Thawri knows certain death awaits him because he's considered an insurgent, an insurrectionist, a rebel, a person who defied the head of state. So in one of those nights, he was also, Sufyan al-Thawri was an ascetic. He was a zahid, or in the terminology of some people, a Sufi. So in this climax towards his end of life, Sufyan al-Thawri goes into his solitude moment with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, O oh Allah, my oath to you is that Abu Ja'far al-Mansur does not finish his hajj or something to that meaning. Abu Ja'far al-Mansur dies before he completes his hajj. The intention of that ruler, because he was drunk with power, his intention was to make an example out of an Islamic scholar. By the way, for your information, Sufyan al-Thawri was a teacher of Abi Hanifa. 
he was also a student of Ja'far al-Sadiq. But these are the personalities that do not live on in the public mind today. We have a vacuum in our public mind. And that vacuum is creating all of the plots and all of the traps that we find ourselves in. وَلَا تَرْكَنُوا إِلَى الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا Where are the scholars who have the behavior and the character of this ayah? وَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّ اللَّهَ غَافِلًا عَمَّا يَعْمَلُوا الظَّالِمُونَ Where are the scholars who have the behavior and the character of this ayah? أَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ لِي وَلَكُمْ أُدْعُوهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَأَنْتُمْ عَلَى يَقِينٍ بِالْإِجَابَةِ وَتُوبُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ غَافِرِ الذَّنْبِ وَقَابِلِ التَّوْبِ شَدِيدِ الْعِقَابِ وَإِلَيْهِ الْمَصِيرِ الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear committed Muslims, brothers and sisters, it would appear out of order for some people that Muslim scholars have the integrity, have the moral high ground and have the insightful vision to take a look at today's real world. It's easier to speak about a ruler over a thousand and two hundred years old. That's easy. Even though many of us, this is our common history. We have an opportunity to open up this history and learn from our shortcomings, from our deficiencies, from our ignorance, and from our mistake. We have that opportunity. Yet, still, we have some of these scholars who don't find within them the courage to do just that. No one is telling them to speak about today's rulers, even though they should. They are commanded to do so. So that the course of action of the criminals becomes very clear. 
Therefore, either we play the game of ignorance as has been happening in our lifetime with those who ascend the minbar. They think, some of them, in privacy, when you speak to them one-on-one, -on -one, when no one's listening or watching, everyone's listening and watching nowadays, but wherever they feel comfortable, they will say, we are outsmarting the system. Or they will say, parting from politics is politics. And they have so many other excuses that they put forward. In the meantime, ignorance continues to grind us literally to death. What is wrong if we just open our eyes like we should and we say that there is a Muslim who occupies a position who's in the public eye who's the chairman of the Muslim World League, Rabitatul Alam al-Islami, who made a tour in Europe, and in one of these cities, he had a largely Muslim audience, in which he said to the effect that, if you are wearing the hijab, in these countries, in these non-Muslim countries. And it is against the law to do so. You either take off your hijab or you leave the country. You see this contradictory mentality they have? It's either this or that. If we listen to a, in this past week, one of the ministers in the Saudi kingdom. He began to point his finger at governmental institutions and individuals who were stealing the wealth. The petroleum export money was going into their accounts illegally coming from one of them. This is not something I or a Muslim scholar is saying. This is coming from the horse's mouth, as it were. Another individual in that kingdom of contradictions, in that royalty of riyals, in that mamlakat al-munafiqeen, Another person decides, he has a newborn girl, he decides to name her Ivanka. That's the name of the daughter of the president of this country. Why did he decide to do that? Because he's impressed with this president who had missiles hitting inside different Muslim countries who tried to pass a law to virtually incriminate Muslims who are arriving at airports in this country.
What is there to be impressed by this president? This, uh, this particular Saudi individual was. And then what happened on the social media in that kingdom of contradictions? Some of those who disagreed with them immediately pointed their finger at him as a kafir. You see, the extremes. Both of these are extremes that should never exist in a Muslim family or in a Muslim society. But that's what we have, a kingdom of contradictions. And then, it doesn't stop here. When he went to register that name, that department that registers the name of the newborns refused to register his daughter's name as Ivanka. You've heard of Hamid Karzai. Remember here, we, we are not presenting you with Islamic fundamentals of ijtihad. We are just quoting what other people are saying to place it in our thinking Muslim mind. Hamid Karzai, who was the leader, the head of state in Afghanistan for all of those years, who went there, virtue of the U.S. military. He recently, in the past week or so, he recently came out and said that the Islamic State, ISIS, Daesh, is a fabrication of the United States. Now, is it haram for us to mention these types of statements to the Muslim public? Is it haram? The Saudi billionaire Al-Walid is showing off that he, in the year 2019, in a couple of more years, he will have finished building the tallest construction, the tallest high-rise, the tallest building in the world. That only reminds us of the Prophet of Allah's hadith in which he says, Yawma tarawna al-hufah al-urah ru'ata al-shah yatatawaluna fil-bunyan on a day when you will see those who are barely those who are barefooted those who have, are barely dressed those who are herdsmen shepherds competing who's going to have the tallest building that's exactly what's going on today there's the tallest one on the persian gulf in the emirat now the other one wants to have the tallest one on the other side of the Arabian Peninsula. And we don't know who the third and fourth who are going to pop up and compete.
to the disgrace of the Muslims and the world at large. As if he's building them with Islamic hands, with Islamic architects, with Islamic engineers, with Islamic resources. All of that is done because he has the wealth. And one of the statements that only those who are of insightful thoughts will understand. The word mal, mal is a Quranic word. Al-mal wal-banoon, zinatul hayatid dunya. وتحبون المال حبا جما مال the noun مال is taken from the word مالا it sways you money sways you away from Allah عز وجل so far this year there have been five masjids in the united states that have been burned that's on the average of one masjid every month are we to make believe nothing is happening a substitute teacher in one of the schools in new york rips off the hijab of a muslim student Are we to make believe that the relationships are normal? Our social context is feeling comfortable with us. The president of this country, he's, for every hour he spends listening to intelligence briefings, he spends four hours playing golf. The cabinet, the secretaries that he placed in his cabinet, the secretary of state, the secretary of commerce, the secretary of this, and the secretary of that, add up all of their wealth. It amounts to the wealth of the poorest 114 nation states in the world. Just those individuals, they have as much money, as much assets, as 114 countries in the world. And doesn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speak about the combination of wealth and power? Or they want us to close our minds. Now the president of this land is going to Saudi Arabia. And the rulers there, they invited 17 other heads of state to come. And they want to have a summit meeting there. For what? What's your summit meeting all about? After all of this, if Muslims are unable to detect and verify the shaitani course of action that emanates from Riyadh and extends to Washington and links up in Tel Aviv, then we have a long way to go. 
اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ولا تجعله ملتبسا علينا واجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا إننا سمعنا مناديا ينادي للإيمان أن آمنوا بربكم فآمنا ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد ربنا صل على محمد وآل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم وبارك على محمد وآل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر